Sydney, aka Cannabirth, breaks the stigma around cannabis. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Pure Doula podcast where we chat all things home birth, hot takes, business, and more. I'm your host, Catherine, the Pure Doula. Oh my gosh, I'm so out of breath right now. (laughs) We just walked my parents' dog and chased Mercy the whole time. So I'm kind of out of breath. I guess that means I just need to work out more. Anyway, let's stay focused. On this week's episode, I'm so excited to have Sydney, also known as Cannabirth on Instagram. I discovered Sydney through a different podcast, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love her Insta. I love everything she stands for. I love what she does. And our schedules kept like conflicting, things kept popping up. We had to keep rescheduling, which is totally fine because we're both we're moms. Life happens. Like I'm not crazy about stuff like that. If anyone has been on my podcast, you know I'm pretty down with like having to reschedule because I get it. Um, but I was so excited that we finally got to do this because I just am like a fan. <laughs> A Sydney and Cannabirth fan. Um, so Sydney comes on and she shares some knowledge about cannabis and pregnancy, cannabis and birth, um, how to consume when suffering from morning sickness, because that was like a thing for me, um, which you'll hear about. There's so many women I have that reach out to me, um, that deal with severe morning sickness and just are turning to someone for like guidance and support and suggestions. And let me tell you, I've learned a lot from Sydney. (laughs) Um, Sydney also shares her journey to becoming a go-to cannabis expert in the birth world. And she shares a lot more. I mean, this is something that's needed, you know, like we need someone like Sydney. We need a million Sydneys. <laughs> um, and we get into all this. Like, it's just a fun episode. Sydney is extremely knowledgeable. She's extremely experienced. And she's down to earth, which I love. Um, her services are so very needed in this world. And she's breaking the stigma and spreading the truth around cannabis in the birth world and just the world. I'm really pumped. I hope you guys enjoy this. What's crazy is I was so worried about um, Sydney's audio being okay that I didn't even realize mine was jacked. So mine might not sound the greatest. Luckily, I don't, I don't speak that much. <laughs> I like to have my guests speak and I of course I just wanted to hear Sydney talk because I admire her and I just want to like hear what's in her brain (laughs) so let's get into it I can't remember how I found your account I think maybe from um this podcast I follow the birth worker podcast I think you were on yeah um yep yeah and she shared your episode and I was like oh 
oh my gosh, how cool is this chick? Like, I love everything you stand for, everything you're sharing. Like, this is something that needs to be about. Everyone needs to be educated on. And I'm sure everyone's wondering what the heck I'm even talking about. Um, (laughs) So I'll let you introduce yourself and just say what you do. And then we'll just chat it up. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, really kind introduction. <laughs> it's always like nice to hear those things um, because this work is not uh, not easy always. And the work that we're talking about is um, cannabis as it relates to reproduction, women's wellness. Um, so I'm Sydney Parlier and I'm a doula. Um, I'm a freelance writer a cannabis uh, connoisseur, (laughs) an educator, a mom of two uh, littles that are two and four. So yeah, I wear lots of hats, but um, what I primarily do now is create content and resources for other birth workers, caregivers, advocates, um, anyone that might be caring for someone who's consuming cannabis during their reproductive journey. So that could be anytime. That can be preconception, um, during pregnancy, postpartum, breastfeeding, um, all of it. <laughs> so. That's cool. Like, I have so many questions about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, I mean, I've always been, like, a smoker, I guess you would say. Like, mm-hmm. since I was younger, I've always loved it. My man loves it. Um, I did stop once I got pregnant, which I wish I was more educated on it because I had severe morning sickness the whole first trimester I had HD and it was just so bad and like Hmm. hard to really manage and like just eat or drink or anything without like being sick. I couldn't even get out of bed. It was so bad. But I see like a lot of women actually, I've even talked to some who use some form of cannabis to help with those symptoms so they can function, you know, because some of them are even mom already and have to take care of their other children. And you can't really, when you're a mom, like to other children, you can't be in bed all day. (laughs) Right. It's not, it's it's not even an option. Right. And, and that's like, like I, I also experienced uh, morning sickness so severe. It would have been diagnosed as HD in my first pregnancy. And, um, it wasn't as bad with my second pregnancy, but what was worse or, or I guess harder was having a toddler that I was caring for mm-hmm. and just even having morning sickness that was debilitating, not quite HG level, but still then it was like, yeah, I'm not, you know, not able to get out of bed, but like, I'm just totally exhausted and <laughs> from yeah. puking and then chase and then getting up from the toilet and like chasing a two-year-old and then going uh. back to the toilet and then trying to make lunch and then it just was yeah I, I I have compassion for people that go through that because I have an understanding <laughs> yeah. of what it's like so what would you say is like one of the better ways to consume to help treat that um or at least just like like kind of minimalize the sounds if there is a way because I mean I've always just like taken little bites of gummies and I was like like I said so did you yeah did you so did you consume for for no nausea or something you just didn't because you didn't have like no I didn't do it at all because like I stopped I got pregnant because you know like 
as most people know or are conditioned to know is like marijuana is bad especially if you're pregnant like don't do this don't do that and I had a wild pregnancy up until like towards the very end when we moved back to New Jersey from Texas so like I wasn't really concerned with like anything showing up but I know Mm -hmm. that when it does that's a whole nother issue you know what I mean so like I just didn't do it at all just to be safe and um I just wasn't sure like what to do at that point and I thought it wasn't good (laughs) and then like after the fact of course like once I had my baby and I learned all like some women were doing it labor and all this other stuff and didn't stop during their pregnancy I'm like whoa what the heck (laughs) Like I missed out. <laughs> yeah. You mean I suffered for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's kind of wild because I think a lot of people experience that. And I think mm. there's also probably a good number of people that tried prescriptions and tried, you know, other herbal concoctions that didn't help, A, or were also also have side effects, right? Like there's risk in everything. It's just inherent. It's the Mm -hmm. level of risk, you know, that we're kind of assessing, but like pharmaceuticals carry their own side effects and risks. So it's like, I'm sure there's, you know, I know there's a number of people who, who tried that and maybe had some, you know, negative experience with that and would have, and could have tried cannabis to alleviate those symptoms. So when you're asking, like you, you asked about method, um, the most like general answer for the best way to consume during pregnancy is edibles or tinctures or teas. Um, it goes through such a um, like intricate process in your system, you know, it's actually digested. So it's like, there's no real evidence to support this, but in my own kind of theory, it's like, when it has to go through all those processes, like what are the chances that it's actually like, we know that it actually does cross the placenta. There's no dispute about that, but I certainly feel better thinking of all the, all the things that it has to go through first before it would get to the placenta versus like, if you're inhaling, you know, there's combustion, there's um, maybe some butane, there's uh, smoke particles, things like that, that we don't necessarily want either. So Mm, that makes um, sense. But but here's kind of the caveat is that people that are experiencing morning sickness or nausea um, or HG, they need like immediate relief. And, you know, because you've taken edibles, like it's not an immediate relief. You kind of have to take it like preventatively, which you can do that. But in both of my cases, inhalation was the best way for me to treat what I was treating. So um, dry herb vaporizing would be a good alternative to just like smoking Mm -hmm. vaporizers you're right about those yeah that's really clean really clean yeah no combustion happening it basically heats up the herb like as if it was in a conduction oven (laughs) so it's just I mean you're getting like more terpenes more cannabinoids it's just a all-around cleaner way to consume but you also want to make sure the flower that you're consuming is clean as well because Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter how you're taking it if the flower itself is not high quality cannabis. And for people that are pregnant, people that are breastfeeding, um, that that we know it passes through, it's so important to have high quality flower. That's foundational for sure. That's major. And that's, again, something that I don't, I've never thought of and I don't think many people do think 
about you know they're just like oh well it's a plant it's all good or like oh it's a flower it's cool um oh i'm buying but it's all good yeah some people just don't have the option to you know yeah we're not we're here in the united states i don't know how like wide your audience is hopefully it's worldwide but (laughs) (laughs) but uh here in the united states like it's still a schedule one drug in the eyes of the federal government. So it's like we're, we still have states where there's no medical program. It's not recreationally legal. Um, and, and then the, f- the far extreme states that are like, you know, not only are those things not available, but there's actually still criminal, criminal, what's the word I'm searching for? Repercussions for growing cannabis, possessing cannabis, people are still being put in jail for these things in it's certain so places. Crazy. It's right. so crazy. Right. I mean, even here, even here in Illinois, just the other day in a, a private group that I'm a part of, she had gotten pulled over, has her medical card. We have here in Illinois, we have recreational and medical. She has her medical card. She had some cannabis in a grinder that was out of reach. It was actually like in the back seat in a bag. Um, but it wasn't in dispensary packaging, which is part of the law. And she got a ticket for like $500, (gasps) like some city ordinance, $500. Wow. And it's like, so it's kind of like insane because it's like, even in the places that it seems to be more legal, they're still finding loopholes to like get people for it. You know, it's still still highly, still highly stigmatized. Yeah. Still, Still. Yeah. And it just pisses me off. I'm like down a rabbit hole about everything in this country <laughs> on like how inverted and like backwards everything is. Um, but I'll spare everyone on that because <laughs> we we're, we probably all are on the same page here. Yeah, most of us. Yeah, I can tell that's for sure. But it's so crazy because um, before we moved to Jersey, when I was pregnant, most like my first half of pregnancy, we were in Texas and Texas. I love Texas, except for the fact that it's like you, it's not legal. Um, I'm not sure about medically. I know recreationally, it's definitely not legal. I don't even think there's any dispensaries. I'm not sure. But when we drove, we were living in Las Vegas where, I mean, it was like going to get coffee. We would go, you know, <laughs> right? <country. laughs> yeah. And we moved to Texas, and we drove actually from Vegas to Texas. And I remember when we got into Texas, there were billboards after billboards with this like um, crazy propaganda to like just put the fear of everything into everyone of like, yeah, better not have marijuana. You're gonna go to jail for this many years. <laughs> yeah. It was these huge billboards, and we're like bugging. We're like, oh my gosh, oh no, what did we do? What's happening? <laughs> like, there's no cops around, right? We're okay. We're driving the speed limit. We're not, we're, you know, like you get so paranoid yeah. about it, and it's like, you know, there are issues that they could really put all this time and energy and money into, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. That. But yeah. Um, so what what kind of like led you into this? Because you're extremely knowledgeable about um cannabis and the benefits especially in like uh pregnancy and everything like you said um birth and all how did you get there like what led you to that oh gosh um 
it really has been like a culmination of everything I've done in my life. Like even working in hospitality in restaurants, serving people, like it just, I used to like, I, I'm, a, I'm a passion chaser. That's just like who I am inside. I have been a cannabis consumer since I was like 16. But of course, when I was 16, like that, this is, I'm 32. This is like half my life ago. It wasn't like it is now. And I wasn't consuming medicinally, although I, I think I was, I just didn't know how to, and I didn't know yeah. why, because I was an angsty teenager and that's just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, uh -huh. I'm sure I was medicating with it, but, um, didn't make that connection for sure. And then, uh, when I started to like get into freelance writing, I was like, why not write about cannabis? Like they're, you know, I could see that they're, they were looking for people, you know, like, cause my personal opinion was like, I want to see and read blogs from people who actually have been consuming cannabis for a long time. Someone who, people who really know the plant, people who really like care for the plant because I do. And I don't really want to be consuming content and like podcasts and stuff or educational material from people who are new to this mm -hmm. because it's like, that's just not who I personally like gravitate towards. I gravitate towards more of like the old school, old school stoners, people that are like really into the chemistry, the science of the plant. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Trichome Institute, but it was created by a man named, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to blank on his last name, but oh, Max Montrose. <laughs> and he's like, you know, old school stoner, but like super nerds out on this shit, you know? Nice. So that's, that's actually what I, I did a, uh, cannabis consultant training online, um, which anybody can do. You can go to the Tricome Institute website and like get a consultant training. You can get it from other places now too. Um, and I started writing, I started like pitching random, like cannabis blogs and stuff. And I got my first opportunity in a, free women's magazine. So I wasn't actually getting paid for this work, but I started writing blogs. Like I actually was getting, you know, published in somebody else's magazine. So I'm like, okay, fair trade. Um, eventually it led into paid work and I was working as, um, I, I wrote blogs for an Australian telehealth clinic <laughs> that was a telehealth, like a cannabis telehealth clinic. So all the blogs would be like, you know, treating headaches with cannabis, treating seizures with cannabis, treating autism, you know, all just, they wanted that SEO. They were just trying to like crank out blogs on certain conditions in cannabis. And that was me. So I did that for about a year. And that's kind of where I started to really get into like, like, Ooh, cannabis in the body, you know, cause I was really researching all of these things. Like I had to write these blogs. They gave me like a rough outline but I was the one researching and doing all the back work. So then when I had an experience in pregnancy <laughs> that led me to become a doula, which is like a whole other long story that I'm not going to tell, or I guess we could. <laughs> but, yeah, like I want to hear that one too. <laughs> so so lo <laughs> long story short. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I can make it. I can make it short. Long story short, because this is very typical of doulas. I fired my OB in late labor for, or early labor, I should say, late in my pregnancy for trying to induce me with no reason. So Ugh. that, that kind of sent me on a quest of like, you know, what are my options and blah, blah, blah. That's how I found the word doula. I was like, what's a doula? Looked it up and was like, 
oh shit, like I think I need a doula. And then very quickly followed by, oh, I think I am a doula. Like I think I could like do this. Nice. And so then like five months later, I became a doula. (laughs) (laughs) And I was still freelance writing at the time. So I kept freelance writing until I started my doula business. And when I started doing that, it was just like, when I say it was a culmination of all these things, it really was because it was like, I literally just had a thought one day and I was like, I'm going to combine these two things because they are, they are hand in hand in my own life. Like how can I even separate my cannabis freelance writing business stuff with my doula stuff? Like how could I not even combine it? Because it's an integral part of my life. Why would I not do that? Why would I not advocate for people to be able to consume during pregnancy? Like if I'm going to be working as a doula, I want to work with people who are consuming cannabis because I was consuming cannabis when I was pregnant. (laughs) So why would I not, you know what I mean? Like that's who I, I basically tried to like become the true to yourself. I, I tried to I tried to become and am still doing this the person that I really needed when mm. I first became pregnant and I had all these questions and I didn't really have a supportive partner that relationship ended like about it a year and a half ago and um I was very like alone in my really both my pregnancy journeys and I consumed cannabis and I dabbled in psychedelics and I, I'm someone with a really colorful background in life. And I, I wish that I would have, I wish I would have known what a doula was, first of all. And I wish that I would have been able to find someone who, who like fit that for me because I always wanted to feel not judged in that space. You know, I felt like if I was, if I would have found a doula at that time, I probably wouldn't have told them that I consumed. I would have just kept it to myself, you know, and a lot of like a lot of my one to one clients now do already have doulas. They just don't feel comfortable talking to them about it. Mm -hmm. So that's why they book a consultation and we talk about it for an hour and I answer their questions and they go on their way and they're fine. (laughs) That's brilliant. Yeah, but it's but it's like now I'm kind of like, why don't I educate other birth workers? Because if we had more cannabis friendly birth workers i don't think everyone needs to like center their business around it like i did but i do think that it would be really nice if people could just have (laughs) the really basic like knowledge to be like oh yeah actually i have a resource for you or here's what i know about it or like just thinking about it right exactly instead of like you don't have to agree with it but like at least be educated on the topic and yeah honestly like I birth world it's so difficult to navigate sometimes because some birth workers are just very judgy or like stuck in um a side that is more um trying to like put this together without sounding like <laughs> I know yeah don't yeah I, you know I know what you're what saying I mean? and actually like... yeah I actually have a story that that would kind of encompass I think what you're trying to say so we here locally that's been I get that question sometimes like how do the local people receive you <laughs> like the other doulas because in my town I'm in the midwest right in the middle of Illinois so the only like doula practice here is like super Christian based. Mm. Um, they're a little bit old, more seasoned. I shouldn't say older. They're more seasoned. They're 
you know, very devout. They are very like judgmental. Mm. Um, so that's been an interesting thing to navigate. At first it was, I tried to be like really friendly and, um, that didn't really like work. So now we just kind of stay in our own lanes. It's kind of a small doula community where I am. I have been very fortunate to be supported by the majority though. That's only like a really small group that kind of, I feel like they probably do take most clients because they're the only like practice around here with like multiple doulas. Um, but the other part of the community is like, are very forward thinking. They're very like, you know, inclusive and they, they meet once a month. Like this Friday, we have a local meetup where we all meet and we talk about, we like pick a topic and, you know, just connect and we hold it at the birth center. So it's a freestanding birth center with, you know, midwives, the whole nine, and they let us use their little living room space. Well, we had planned in April for me to talk about this, to talk about the t- the actual topic name was reducing harm and social stigma regarding cannabis use during pregnancy. That was the actual name of like our, <laughs> you know, topic for the event. And the birth center, <laughs> and the, right, but it's it's like very clear, right? We're talking about yeah. reducing harms, reducing social stigmas, how to support people, whatever. The birth center basically came back like a week before we had this meeting and said, "You can't talk about this here." <gasps> what? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Who complained? So <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm fairly certain who who it was, but. Um, but that's, you know, neither here nor there, because for me, it was like, this is just kind of disappointing in you as an organization who boasts inclusivity and being, you know, taking Medicaid. So you're trying to like reach these underserved populations. Okay. Well, you better know that you have clients that consume cannabis. (laughs) I'm telling you that right now. So why would you, why would you not want to hold this conversation here? And it's just a conversation. I'm not like coming in to the birth center, trying to talk to your patients or clients or whatever. It it just was. You're not coming in selling weed. Like, Like, really? You think I'm going to pop up a table and unpack my backpack with a bunch of samples? Like that's not, not, that's not it. So yeah, it's been, so I think that's, that's, that gives a good snapshot of like, yeah, but there's still a lot of stigma around mm-hmm. this. Of course there is, you know, I mean, there's stigma around people just consuming cannabis that are not moms <laughs> that are yeah. not pregnant, yeah. you know? So yeah, and I haven't wild. chosen the easy road. <laughs> and yeah, it's crazy too, because like, obviously it's like been a lot of programming, especially in the nineties and the dare program and like, oh my gosh, that guy's crazy selling weed, whatever, stay away from it. But it's like, Especially with the birthing center, which is disappointing. That's usually like an alternative to the hospital, and like right. it's more of like a natural route. And like, you know, they might not offer medications that a hospital, whatever. You know what I mean? And it's like mm-hmm. here's a natural way to handle things that you're educating people on, and it's right. just terrible. But like, it's okay to like keep pushing fentanyl during birth, and like. Uh, epidural all that other crap you know what i mean and it's just mm-hmm. like it's oh fair 
<laughs> I, I forgot to mention, this is almost the best part of the story. I forgot to mention that after all of this kind of went down, I found out that that birth center is actually, so the some of the midwives that work in that practice were actually going to come to the meeting because they were like wanting to learn about it. Mm. So this came from like a higher up kind of position, but I oh, found wow. out afterwards that the birth center is owned by one of our major hospitals here, <laughs> which is called OSF, OSF St. Francis. It's a Catholic hospital. So there you have it. There you have it. And it's no it's it's no wonder. It's no wonder. I've had three clients risk out of the birth center. One was um, a woman living in a bigger body. And we suspect that that was probably what they were not wanting to support. Um, The other was like borderline high blood pressure or something. Basically just some bullshit reason that they Mm -hmm. they risked her out and she had to go to a, a you know, OB. So it's like, it's, it's, it's changed. You know, those three clients came before this whole meeting situation. And at this point now I'm kind of like, okay, (laughs) I'm just going to continue like focusing on like alternative places to share this information. And one day you'll call me. Oh, because you know what I mean? (laughs) The one day, one day I'm going to get an email that, Mm -hmm. that asked me to talk about it. I'm sure, you know, it would not surprise me at all. And I'm just, I'll just be waiting or not. (laughs) And it's just like crazy also, because I don't like, I'm not a religious person. I don't follow religion. I do like, um, you know, and like, I'm, I don't want to say spiritual because that's usually like more new age, but more spiritual yeah. scripture way. But I don't see how cannabis can be looked at bad from anyone in those kind of beliefs. You know, like it's a, right. a God-given plant used properly. Like you're not abusing it. Like you don't, ab- yeah. it's like you don't abuse anything, you know? So right. like, that's just what's really annoying too. Um I have my own thoughts on like the people and whatever, I'm, whatever. I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> but no. the, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't know. No, I, I know just don't saying. see why yeah. it's being so demonized when it's not like demonic right. or bad at all. Like, it's something that is used as a medicine or a relax to relax and like whatever. And it's, like, another thing is, like, most of those people, they're all into, like, mommy wine culture. Or, like, <laughs> right. You know, that like, always really, really, like, makes me laugh, honestly. Because yeah. it's, like, how are you going to, like, because I still, you know, we, we like, you talked touched on the 90s and the dare <laughs> thing. Yeah. It's, like, my era, too. And it's like, you would be surprised, like even doing what I do, how like, I still will like, if I'm at a party or something, or I'm not really sure like who's around, I'll err on the side of caution and just like not consume around them, you know, because Mm -hmm. I just don't, I still kind of carry, I don't carry like shame, but I'm just like, oh, I'd just rather not, you know, because, but even though we're at this party where everybody's like getting shit faced, 
you know, on white claws <laughs> or whatever. And I'm like, cool, you're going to like <laughs> do this with your kids around. But if I whip out a joint right now, I guarantee you're going to like pull your kids away. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I don't and I, I definitely don't advocate for like smoking in the same like enclosed room with a kid just to be like right. clear. Right. <laughs> but when you're outside <laughs> in open air, yeah, I do consume in front of my kids and around them. So um, but yeah, it's it's just kind of funny, the double standard, how and there's always kind of that comparison, which sometimes I like kind of cringe when people compare alcohol and weed because I'm like, man, it's oh, so different. It's, it's so, so different. different. Apples and oranges, like it totally can't yeah. even compare them. And the effects on the body, like one literally destroys your soul. Literally and your kills body. you. Yeah. You. And the other one like <laughs> improves you and heals you. Like how are yeah. they comparable? It's so. Yeah. And I do like I I'm somebody who I used to at one point in my life was training to be a sommelier, like a wine expert. So I actually still do like enjoy tasting wines and having wine yeah. time to time. But um, I saw something I can't remember who this was talking about it, but saying that like one day we're going to be viewing alcohol the way we view cigarettes. How, you know, a lot of people now, like, you don't see a lot of young people smoking cigarettes because mm -hmm. they know already, like, how bad it is, you know, and how it used to be. And it's like, I kind of think that, too. I kind of think one day, like, well, I, I'm hopeful that one day it'll be more of like a kind of like a frowned upon thing because it is yeah. soul sucking and destroying. And um, I have my own, like, I struggled with alcohol and drug abuse for a while Same. in my 20s you know so it's like i i get it you know but you can it. but it's it's also it's also like for me now it is kind of a form like i view it the same way i view other like medicine like mm. when i you know my friend comes into town and we have some wine it's medicine for my soul it's good mm -hmm. we laugh we talk we reminisce but you, you won't catch me like you know <laughs> drinking while I'm cooking dinner anymore and then having the whole <laughs> bottle later that's just like right. not you know what I mean because mm. it's it's not it is an intoxicating substance it, it really should be treated in my opinion like like any other mind-altering substance so I love I love how yes. you put that because I, I agree with you with the wine thing you know like you said it's treated like a medicine it makes a lot of sense to treat it that way. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have an intention behind it, right, just like anything else, that's something that like with cannabis is, I'll admit, I'm like not the best at setting intentions before I consume every single time. But it does kind of make a difference in where your headspace is at. You know, just like when you're drinking, if you're if you're like seeking alcohol because you're upset or because you're wanting to like numb your problems, like you're going to do that for sure. Um, but that's where it's going to kind of like take a hold of your your soul <laughs> and kind of like yeah. drag it down where where if your intention behind it, like I said, if my friend comes in town and we're like excited to see each other and we're sharing life updates and business stuff because she's an entrepreneur too. you know what I mean it's like that's good energy so we're not I don't feel like it's it does quite the same thing and I feel yeah. like cannabis can do that too you know I feel like you you definitely can not as much at all but I think that your mindset really matters when you go into into like a session where you're gonna feel heavy effects 
right? Dabbing or taking a higher dose edible or something like cannabis can be a psychedelic almost sometimes. So mm. it's like, <laughs> if That's you're kind of going into it with that negative energy, you know, it may, it may make you feel a little, a little anxiety. That's kind of where that comes from. You know, I'm kinda, yeah, I, I feel like, sense. yeah, I feel like I am kind of like a root person, like trying to find, you know, people that say like, oh, I would use cannabis, but it gives me anxiety. And it's like, well, like what other ways are you supporting yourself? First of all, to like <laughs> not feel anxious, like don't mm. consume when you don't really consume and then go out into like large crowds, right? Mm -hmm. Or like places that would trigger anxiety already because cannabis is going to heighten any of those kind of feelings. And when you're pregnant and consuming, it's, it's like that amplified because you're already kind of you're in that, that thin veil space, you know, where it's like, you're sensitive to things. You're sensitive to energies. You're sensitive to smells, to touch, to stimulation, things like that. So when you're consuming, when you're pregnant, you may find that it like changes, that you feel more sensitive. Definitely. Oh yeah. For most people. Mm -hmm. And the whole like thing you said with intention and everything too, like the mind is so powerful. So if you're already like have this, of like like you said like oh it gives me anxiety like that's just gonna happen no matter where mm -hmm. you are because believe it and I'm sure like different strains affect people differently and all that but like I don't know your mindset is is your mind's pretty powerful so to say like something always has, gives me anxiety or something always makes me this or that or I can't do this because of that like You've already decided that, so that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, but also, I kind of like okay, switch gears a little bit because yeah. I, there's just so much I feel like we could talk about, and I'm trying to keep it like not a million hours long. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what would you? What is the advice or like in fact? tip or like whatever you could give to women who consume during pregnancy who end up being in a hospital um to how to navigate like the drug test part you know or if it shows up like is, does that just matter on the state you're in how you would go about like dealing with that or is it just like you're screwed no matter what kind of thing. Yeah, that's a <laughs> such a I know it's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so no, it's okay because this is like I answer this all the time, I feel like. Um, yeah, it's definitely gonna de depend on where you are, state to state. It depends on your hospital, like even within that state, different hospitals can have different policies. So the best thing that you can do if you're if you know you're going to be birthing at a hospital or even if you're having a home birth and there's a chance that you're going to transfer you can call the hospital and ask what their drug testing policies are. Now, this is going to work for you if you have not disclosed your cannabis consumption to your doctor already. If that's something you've already done and it's an issue you're dealing with already with your doctor, um, that's going to be like highly variable how that kind of pans out. 
I know that here in Illinois, if you admit, and this is like common other places too, if you admit to your doctor sometime during pregnancy that you're a cannabis consumer, they will make a note in your file. And then when you deliver at the hospital, they automatically test you. <gasps> so, so other than that, though, they don't do routine testing. So if you don't admit to your doctor that you're consuming and then you birth at the hospital, they don't just test you for no reason. There's got to okay. be like some reason, which is subjective, right? They can say anything they want to say to try to get a drug test out of you. And they can mm -hmm. test the baby's cord blood. They can test the baby's urine and they can test the baby's uh, poop or meconium. I don't <gasps> actually don't know if they can test meconium, but. I bet they can. <laughs> right. Um, so they can, they, they primarily test those three ways. Um, I'm sure if they really wanted to, they could take your blood too, but I haven't really heard of that happening. Um, and I feel like that would maybe be more something like if they suspected that there was other substances in your system, you know, Okay. Um, that they'd be looking for. But um, what was the other half of your question? So I would definitely like what I would say to someone is like, call your, you know, like I said, call your hospital, find out their drug testing policies. I do this all the time for people. I know all the hospitals in our area's policies and they are friendly. Like when I call, I ask for maternity, you know, labor and delivery floor, ask for the charge nurse. Sometimes they already know the answer, whoever answers the phone. Um, and they've always been really nice about it. And I just say like, hey, I'm a medical cannabis patient. I'm pregnant. I'm coming there to deliver. What are your drug testing policies? Mm. And th they have to tell you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, You're you'll right. find out. You might have to push a little bit depending on where you are. Maybe you won't get someone that's so friendly on the phone. But you can find out. It's your right to find out. And as far as like – this was this is what I was going to say. As far as like being in the hospital and getting tested – Sometimes I see people say that you can refuse drug testing. And this is absolutely true. You, you can do that. You can say, no, I don't want to be tested. I don't want the baby tested. But that is, A, assuming that they have told you. <laughs> right. They don't always tell you. No. Um, and B, this can put somebody in a really compromising position. So, yeah, you know, I feel like it could backfire for, almost. It, it could, it really could. And that would be my worry with it. That's why when I see people say, oh, just, you know, decline it, just say no. I'm like, okay, yeah, tell that to somebody, tell that to a, a black mother who is already having issues with the nursing staff. For real. Because, because we know that there's disparities in labor and delivery for women of color. So, I don't think that I would suggest someone do that in that position because that's inviting. I mean, in a way it's inviting more attention to yourself. It's inviting maybe another government <laughs> entity to come into your room. Yeah. And talk to you. So I just, I don't think that that's always, that's definitely not my go-to advice. Um, now, if you feel comfortable in your space and you're like, you know, you're ready to, to take that on, then, then, <laughs> By all means, that's your right to decline. Um, and certainly there are people that are, you know, more well prepared in that area. But yeah, declining yeah. definitely, even though it's our right, you know, everything's like stacked against us, I think. So it's like that's like a, a, a slippery slope or like a scary way I, I feel to do it um, because they can just like, 
like you said you're in their house yeah you're already you already just had your baby in their house Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. their rules really when it comes down to it it is and you can get up and walk out of that hospital room and do whatever you want that's totally fine but just don't be surprised when that's not like the end of it you know it's it's like they they you know and i'm not saying i'm not saying every situation would be that way i'm sure people decline every day and and they say oh okay and they walk away and everything is fine because it's cannabis you know yeah. i would i would think that if they're asking you to drug test you they're probably suspecting that there's something else going on i'm sure it's not about cannabis right. but cannabis is included in that panel so they're going to find out about that you know mm-hmm. but um yeah i would i just have a hard time imagining a situation where they would be like, oh, I think this mom is uh, high. Let me ask her yeah. if I can give her a drug <laughs> test. That's just like, not how that's going to go down. No, so. it's so crazy. Oh, my gosh. Everything about it. It's just so crazy. Hospitals, I feel like you just have to really navigate that way. Yes. And yep. And it's all it's also variable and it depends on who's taking care of you that day, too. You know, what kind of day are they having? Because mm-hmm. um doulas that have you know attended births or maybe your own birth in the hospital you know (laughs) you know how it works yeah yeah dude I oh my gosh I I had a hospital birth and um like I said I had a wild pregnancy up and towards like close to the very end and you know had a hard time finding a midwife that would accept my our birth plan and like all this crazy stuff the birthing centers were turning me away like it was wild. But anyway, so um, the hospital was great at respecting my birth plan. And they all were real nice, smiled in my face. Like, they kept us, um, uh, like, we had to stay in a room. We weren't allowed to leave the room because we declined the COVID testing. We're like, this is crazy. We're fine. We're not doing that. So they, like, you know, they were all mm-hmm. it off <laughs> and treating us crazy all in a weird way. But they called a social worker on me who stopped calling me because um, just assumed, I guess, I was a crappy person for not getting prenatal care or seeing anyone until late in the game. But they didn't even ask me, like, what the reasoning was, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, what the story was. So that's what I mean, like, hospitals, yeah, you can work with them or like you got to move a certain way when you're there but they also at some not all I don't want to scare people but they also will do things without really telling you that they think they need to do it's just they will always they will always protect their legal end before mm-hmm. they're going to protect you as an individual patient. They're always going yep. to think of litigation in mind. That's just, yep. that's their job, you know, in a way. It's like, that's just the way it's set up. That's the way that the hospital lawyers and the administration is going to, is going to look at every situation. You know, what is the risk for us? What is the risk for us to get sued or, you know, some report come out or whatever? Like, that's how they look at things. So it's like, knowing that is is can kind of like like we don't want to be so negative in this conversation right it's like if you know that then that's how you can gather tools and 
work yeah. on things before you get there. Because if you understand how it works and you know that it's ultimately just going to give you a little more power because you're the- you, you know that, right? Yeah. And that's kind of how, that's kind of how like the number one question that I ask people when they come to me for a consultation and it's about CPS or hospital policy or whatever is, and they're like, I'm going to keep consuming, even though I know it's a risk, I'm going to get tested, or I know I'm going to get tested and I'm going to test positive. I just always ask them like, are you prepared to deal with the, the things that come after a positive test result? Like, do you know what happens? And if you know that, like, you know that you will test positive, and you are going to be drug tested, you can get ahead of that issue. You can find out what the policies are. You can find out what your rights are. You mm-hmm. have a right to breast breastfeed your baby, even if you test positive. Mm-hmm. Just know that because they're going to tell you that you can't, but you can. That's one of those things where I would say push the envelope a little bit, right? If they say you can't, you now can't breastfeed your baby, breastfeed your baby. <laughs> Yeah, you know that's just not one of those. That's not one of those things. Like you know how we were talking about declining a drug test could kind of like invite more problems in. I do not think that that would happen so much with like a breastfeeding case where they would say because I I think that happens often, you know. And then it ultimately sets up you and the baby for a not great breastfeeding journey because if you don't start right away you're gonna have you know more difficult or challenging coming back from that you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it's all situational though you know it's it's all like so complex and layered and nuanced and every situation is different and like even in your case it's just like oh my gosh what a wild little story you know what I mean like (laughs) like it's just crazy like and when you and when you talk to so many people that have had hospital births like you get those crazy little stories like that that you're just like what like everything would have been totally fine but there was just this like interference or intervention that just like didn't really need to be you know so yeah like all they had to do is ask one question (laughs) you know (laughs) like a human being and just have a conversation and that's like with any case really in that setting but it's just so like just like dealing with like programmed robots that just know how to do certain things and again like I don't say things to scare anyone I think just having the information and being like informed educated and knowing all of these things doesn't have to scare you it can for a little bit and that's understandable because it did for me too but then you realize like okay this isn't something to be afraid of all this now I know how to move I know how to handle it I know what to say I know what not to say and like whatever and it's and it's and it's gonna pass like I think sometimes we put so much like we can like build up this whole like you need to do this you need to do that you need to know this like yeah those tools are gonna help you that information is gonna help you but like ultimately like you're gonna go there you're gonna have your baby you're gonna be reborn this total other person who's gonna be so strong and able to take on all of these things and anything that happens you're gonna figure it out after Mm -hmm. you're you're not gonna like you're gonna figure it out you're gonna process it let's say it's a traumatic birth or something you will process it you will you know you'll get the support you'll you'll figure it out because you know, unfortunately, we do deal with these things, but sometimes it builds us into pretty amazing people too. So, 
you'd be Fair. surprised at you you'd be surprised at what a little adversity will do <laughs> to yeah, someone you yeah. know so yeah it creates a lot of duelists that's for sure <laughs> yeah it does yes totally um I think that was the main question but you do offer like one-on-one support and consultations um pregnant women and birth workers right so like if and you want to learn more or if like you have a, a woman that you're supporting and need to know more about her cannabis journey that birth worker can come to you and like book a um a meeting with you right and like figure that out yeah, That's yeah cool. definitely definitely and it's really like it's 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 open to like anyone um i i don't think i have them up on my website right now i don't know when this episode is going live but i'm kind of in a um transition with work because my payment processor just closed my account for being cannabis related. (laughs) I saw that. How awful. I know. So yeah, we're kind of, but I'm still going to be doing consultations. I'm like, you know what? I guess I could just take Venmo. (laughs) (laughs) Just do it the old school way. Um, But I'll have a system pretty soon. And yeah, like I, I definitely like if someone is a birth worker and they're going to come ask me about someone else, like their clients, journey, I would prefer probably that they just refer their client to me. And I do, I do 20, I I do $25 as a referral bonus to the doula. So like if you, yeah. So if you have a client that it has a question or wants to like talk about cannabis and you're like, Hey, here's my, you know, client Ashley or whatever, like here, Sydney, (laughs) then I give you the doula or the birth worker $25 after, you know, Ashley books and pays and stuff. So a little kickback incentive for just trying to work together. Um, It's just easier for me to like, like, instead of being like a middleman, like there's a lot of things that you probably as a birth worker are not, if you're not like educated on cannabis, haven't thought of. So then it'll be like me asking you questions, you having to ask that, you know, just True that. Whole, yeah. <laughs> so right over to you. I love yeah. That. Um, awesome. and then hopefully, yeah, and then hopefully, I mean, I'm I'm I've got courses and things in mind. I would love to like make this information more accessible and in a way that people actually want to consume it. I know live workshops are not always easy for people. They will buy it and then like not watch the replay. So I'm trying to figure out how people really want to hear this information because I think getting it into more hands and getting more eyes on it is just going to be the way that we like break this stigma and normalize it for moms. So, and you're doing a great job. Like your, your Instagram is amazing. Everything you share is just like, you've definitely become one of my favorite pages. Oh my gosh. That is so (laughs) sweet. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're needed. You're very needed. Like I said, like I, I, I'm one of those people that like, I have this need to know as much as I can about everything mm-hmm. in my life. <laughs> what I'm going through. So when I got pregnant, like I did so much research. That's why I wanted to have a wild pregnancy. I wanted a home birth, things, whatever. But there was, I couldn't find anything on cannabis. And yeah. it, like I said, there's still like a stigma in, in a majority of the birth world where it's just like right information. And there's not, you know, I don't expect 
scientists and government funded research or all, any of that for other reasons. But like, like you said earlier, you want to hear from people who experienced or lived it or done it mm-hmm. or know it, you know, and so I, when I found you, it was just like, wow, this is perfect. This is what everyone needs. We need, <laughs> oh we need Sydney. <laughs> we do. You oh, are needed, Sydney. You're doing the Lord's is... work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, that is literally one of my favorite things to say when, like, things go, like, awry or, like, shit hits the fan, as I always say, like, God's work ain't easy. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is so true. But you're doing it and you're you're teaching a lot. I learn a lot. I know many other people are. Um, it's We've been chatting a lot and I think you shared a lot of valuable information. I know there's so much more in your brain that you could let out, but um, everyone just has to go follow you. Um, get I know you have a free download, right? That you yeah. So, so you can follow me on Instagram at cannabirth. Um, my website's cannabirth.co and you can find a free guide that is my five-step framework that I use with every one-to-one consultation or for the most part. Sometimes people just have random questions, but um, it's it's kind of a kind of a framework that will help you support your client in in really kind of using their own discernment to make their decision but all the factors you could you should take into consideration like it's it's the outline of literally my entire work (laughs) basically so it's very valuable I mean I I I love that it's free I love that it's accessible I it was a joy to put it together so yeah, I'm so thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, thank <laughs> you so for so good that we finally got to do it. I'm gonna link all of that in the description so it'll be very easy okay. for people to click and follow and download and book you and learn and all that good stuff. Um and I will talk to you on the gram. I'm sure oh, later yeah. today or <laughs> almost every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> girlfriend will you enjoy the rest of your day okay you too thank you Catherine. thank you bye make sure you check out the description to easily find sydney online find her website find her offerings and if you enjoyed this episode please give it five stars your reviews and your ratings mean so much to me you have no idea and the more reviews that I get, I just feel like it will lead this podcast to who needs to hear it. So I thank you all. I pray this helps whoever needs it. Yablas. Yeah,